dump those extra words and let the stuff come out that's right, right in your heart and in your soul. Hey there, and welcome to Grit, True Stories That Matter. Grit is a weekly podcast about stories, the contemporary personal narrative kind of story and the people that craft and tell them. Why, you ask? Well, we want to feature these tellers and their stories and also to help you, our listeners, craft and tell better, more engaging, more relatable, and more memorable stories. True stories. Personal stories. Grit stories. We are in the middle of season number three, dedicated to the best of and grit talks. And today we have another edition of grit talks. We are talking about how to take stories from the page to the stage. And we are joined by several swap shoppers, Mary Jo Pollock, Daniel Boyd, Tracy Starin, Richard Munchkin, Corey Thomas May, and Nishama Franklin. If you are involved with or participate in swap shop and or grit stuff you have likely heard their names before and probably heard them tell a story or two we have a really nice conversation again about how to take stories from the page to the stage and as always if there's something that you can take away and apply to your stories by all means do it that is what we want to do here check the show notes for upcoming events including the 99 second story slam the mental health happiest hour motown flash and our May 1 fundraiser for Ukraine here in the Triangle, North Carolina. Okay, without further ado, let us dive in. For most people, unless they're highly literary and literate, the spoken word and the written word, the vocabularies are different. And so one thing is to eliminate those words that are used in writing and they don't jump out as, well, I'm thinking them. I've heard people in storytelling say things like nevertheless or something like that, which in the written form wouldn't bother me in spoken. It's like, nevertheless, what, you know, to me, it was just like a waste. So I think it's like learning to drop some of those maybe kind of literary terms and tell it like you were talking to a friend over a cocktail. I got to push back on that. I'm not I'm not all in on that one, even though a lot of people say it. When you're on a stage, and for our purposes here, it's not only for the stage. It can be for a cocktail, water cooler, conference. It doesn't need to be a stage. But I don't know. Do you talk, when you're performing at a show, you, are you talking into that microphone like you do a friend? Like you do at dinner with a couple of drinks at uh, TGIFs? Well, I think it's, like you establish an intimacy with the audience that you do with a friend that you don't with some unknown person who's reading your story on the computer in a book. And and no, it wouldn't be exactly how I would tell a friend if we were sitting in a bar or over coffee or something, but it's that intimacy. It's like exploring, easing into it, kind of like a more casual conversation to take away the formality. Dan? I think you you guys have noticed before that like sometimes I really go hard into that where I'm two minutes into the story and the whole it sort of washes over the the crowd where they're like oh he's telling the story right now because Mm -hmm. I'm doing it so colloquially you know and I sort of start with a little bit of a ramble that seems more like oh how are you doing I like that effect that's way different than the page 
and I don't always use it, but there are certain stories that I think lend themselves to being more that's the connection I want to have with the audience. Right. Like, like you didn't start. Like, wait, did he start? You can't do that with printed word. I mean, because we know it started. We're looking at a page with words. That, by the way, is Daniel Boyd. He lives in Chicago. Story luck. He's story lucky. Uh, Richard. Yeah. So from page to stage. I think it helps if you have something that's written to just read it out loud. And a lot of what doesn't work for stage is going to be obvious to you because it'll just sound weird. It won't look weird when you read it, but it'll sound weird if you're saying it. And the other thing is, if your story has humor, it's very different on the page than it is spoken. And so anywhere that there's humor, you have to really take an extra look at that and figure out, would this be funny if I said it? How, how do I need to change it so that it would be funny spoken as opposed to written? Because there are some things that'll be funnier written because, because they can look at it on the page and it, it's going to affect them differently. And then other things are funnier spoken. Those were the words of Richard Munchkin in Las Vegas, uh, Nevada. Also, remember, when you're telling a story in front of people, you could do more than what comes out of your mouth. Like you can make a face. I can see the face. You're surprised. I don't need to, you don't necessarily have to say the word. I was really surprised. You look surprised. Like those are things that you can't do on a page. You can actually use your body and your face and delivery and these other things. Tracy? Yeah, I was going to say that with intonation and, and pitch, you can express things spoken that you can't do in print. You can do a lot with your voice. How you use your voice. Mary Jo pointed out word choice might change. Richard mentioned Humor, yeah. And that was Tracy Starin, by the way, in Queens, who just talked, shared that nugget. I, I would just add not just intonation and uh, pitch, but there's also speed and volume. Yes. Right. Speed, a- pitch, volume, inflection, all the things you can use to, to play with voice and delivery. Sure. Yeah. Because of this conversation, I don't, I didn't really know why it was important to me, but because of this conversation, I'm starting to think, oh, it's because I have this performance background where I do really think about it. I think about my position next to the mic and I move back and forth and how I use the stage and things of that nature. It might be interesting to talk about our various processes. I think it's interesting that you're saying from stage to page. No, from page to from stage. Page. But if you listen to somebody at a live show and you hear them say something like it was this big right now, obviously, if you're going the other way and you're going to write that story, you can't say it was this big. You have to describe it. Right. Right, So the opposite can happen as well. If I were to choose a story that I've recently told and then you would copy like just take everything you're hearing and then put it on the page and somehow try to make sense of it, it would be weird. A lot of grammar would be broken. There'd be fragments. It, 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 I don't even know if it's it's readable, but it would be, you'd have to tinker with it because it's really not meant for that. But we're not doing stage to page. We're doing more page to stage. And if you say that 10 times fast, whoops, good luck. When somebody's writing for the page, they can take their time when they're reading it. They can go to the bathroom. They can get a drink. They could return back to that page. They can return back to the page before. The, the relationship between your audience is different. So when you're reading something, the audience has no idea what energy you're giving to them. 
but when you're on stage, you get to bask in those motions. And when you hear the audience react, whether emotionally or whether horror, shock, whatever, you can take that time to pause, to let that steep. When you have a punchline or something, you kind of soak that up and bolster yourself with that. It's not, it doesn't work that same way on the page. So your audience is clearly and obviously, I am Captain Obvious, much more uh, of a participant in a live event than on the page. But I think it needs to be said. Yes, by you. What, one of the things I think I see as a difference, this is going to sound a little, little snobby maybe, but of like what good storytellers do is they're aware that the story that they're telling is flowing along. And unlike a book, people can't stop it. If you're a podcast, you can stop it. Yes. I don't think people typically do, but live show, right? You're flowing along and they make it really easy to follow and track. Like once you get lost when you're listening to a story, do you check out? Is it like impossible for them to recover? No, it's totally possible to recover me. I do like stories that repeat. I, there's little ways to do it. It's hard in a five minute, but in a 10 minute, I try to put little pieces in where, you know, I think that there's things that we all do, like give space. If there's a big dramatic moment, you give space so they can digest it. If there's a tough, complicated thing for somebody to imagine, you give a little space, but also you can repeat stuff, names, what relationships are, that that's big for me. I give people little quirks, ah, Sandy with the red hair. That way, if people get lost, they can go back to, okay, I know who the characters are. That helps for sure. And in reading, I read the same page over and over again. I am one of those people, especially like the first page. It really, it takes me a while to like get into reading mode. And so I'll like read that first paragraph or I find myself skimming and then I'm like, I don't know anything. And I have to go back and read a couple pages before I can get into it. Hmm. Also, to kind of connect back to what Mary Jo said about words, it's very rare when you're talking with somebody that they use something like he exclaimed. Nobody talks. I don't know anybody who says that. Right. So when you do that, and there's a dissonance that happens for me and I think other people when they're listening and there's that like, oh, wait, they don't even maybe know what it is, but it doesn't feel quite right. And that's something you try to avoid. At least I would try to avoid when you're telling a story. You don't want to create that slight disconnect, you know, I got something else. So I just want to say out loud, and I'm interested in hearing other people's versions of this. I know Richard said that he never writes anything down. For myself, I have a long process that involves writing and then unlearning what I wrote so that I can say it out loud. And there is for me sort of a final version where I then go back to the writing. In my head, I think of that as the definitive piece. If there's ever one that's finished, that's it. It's like, it's, it's like, a, yeah, it's a whole process. So I'm in the moment. I always know that I'm going to turn this into a story in the moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like there's just something about, there's some electricity in the air. And I'm just like, I can't wait to get on the telephone and call my best friend and tell him about what happened to me. I tell, that to five or 10 people. And then I put it on the page as like a rough draft. And then I get to a second or third draft. And then I bring it to you guys. And I start workshopping it orally with people who are around. That is my like Mm. main 
flow of creating these things. So that's a, another kind of page to stage, but you always know the stuff that's on a piece of paper or on a laptop, even though there might be a final version on the laptop, it's really being crafted for the stage to be told. No, I want to, I, I like having two versions. I see. So okay. I am crafting. So once I get to the, this stage, I go back and I, and I'm crafting it and it is different. I'm putting in different scenes. I'm putting in more characterization. I'm not saying things with my hands. And so I, I, it really does change. And I get to do this like literary voice thing where I go into the other characters and I say what they're thinking and I'm in their heads and stuff like that. And that's really enjoyable for me. I know for me, I might start with just talking about it. I have to see it visually with something. I don't think it's ever done in writing. What I'll do, I will tweak and tighten, tweak and tighten and play with it on the page. It doesn't look like anything you'd really want to read. It probably looks more like a poem in some ways, but it gets better only when I just start saying it again and again and again and again. And I find the little moments that are really strong and the little language that I really like. I don't think that happens when I'm just writing. I have to just start saying it, but I don't usually do that until it's kind of set mostly because some people here in this group and elsewhere, they don't write ever, or at least right. they just, their stories are just always in their head. I think there's others on the opposite extreme who are essentially verbatim, right? They write it and they kind of memorize it, which, Hey, if that works for you, great. It's hard. I think most of us are somewhere in between. I start recording. That's the first thing I do. But even before I started doing that, when I wrote, I didn't write everything out. The anecdotal part of the story, it's part of my DNA. Just like Dan doesn't need a checklist to do everything that he does in his process. I just know that part. So I will put down two words to remind me that sure. part goes there. And then, of course, every time I tell that part, whether anecdotally or in a story, it always changes a little bit, uh, depending on audience feedback, depending on my mood. That's an interesting conversation. So I'm a hybrid. Yeah. I do a hybrid. You're a hybrid. I have to tell you, my st I don't think my stories change very much. I mean, once I feel like, all right, this is the version I kind of really feel good about. I think if I tell it like five times in five days, it's like 98% set. I don't think it's changing much. But I could see why you're like, all right, this is the scene where I'm in the car with my boyfriend and we're going up to the lake. That's all you wrote down. You just know that's the scene. And then you fill it in a little differently each time, but you get the point across, you hit the beats, you connect the dots, right? Corey, what are you? You go both ways, right, baby? Um, kind of like MJ, you've got the central parts of your story in your DNA. And then I, I generally like to write things out too from start to finish. And then the places where people say, eh, I like to explode the story and pull those parts out and polish them up a little bit. I do it a few times. And once I've got it, I, I got a good feel and I know the things that I need to stick, then I, I'm ready to go. I mean, there's all kinds of other things that are involved, but there's that that's kind of a, a just a general jello mold. We're not giving away all of our secrets here on a free podcast, okay? You guys right. are just getting some of the goods. You ain't getting it all. Sometimes when I'm working on a story, and I, I just did this last week on the story that I just wrapped up, I will keep recording it, recording it, recording it. 
I always end up with a note card with a few notes or phrases like I definitely want to use this phrase or this work or or maybe the order when I'm first working it out. But I'll record, 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 record. And then when I went down to the fitness center and I was on the bike, I listened to it. I had just recorded it the day before, like five or six times. And then I went there and just listened to it five or six. And I don't think I'd ever done that before. Just listen to it for over for like 40 minutes. Dan used to have a workshop where somebody else would tell your story to you kind of a different way of hearing your own story. Interesting. There is a lot to say about this whole process and page to stage and vice versa type stuff, but this is good. Thank you. This is again for people who are at any stage in their like story crafting or artistic creative pursuit career type thing. What's the one big takeaway here? Well, I didn't say anything because it's never on the page for me. Boom. It's always in the head. But the takeaway is that they are different animals. Just recognize that. Recognize that on the page you need to fill in stuff so that the reader knows what it looks like and what it feels like. When you're on the stage, um, it's immediate. It's visceral. It's tuned in all kinds of ways. So dump those extra words and let the stuff come out that's right, uh, right in your heart and in your soul. That's what I have to say. As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support. Special thanks to our Swap Shop guests who joined me here today to talk about taking stories from the page to the stage and a little bit of process in there as well. Check the show notes for upcoming events, including the 99 Second Story Slam, the Mental Health Happyish Hour, Motown Flash, and our May 1 fundraiser for Ukraine right here in North Carolina. And oh, by the way, if you listen on Apple, help us out by rating and reviewing this podcast. It really does help people find it. And we want more people to find it. That is all for episode number 77. Boom.